This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Bet Sweats with Joe Ostrowski, breaking down the latest in sports betting. Bet Joe helps sports bettors of all types, from the first-time bettors to hardcore, make more informed betting decisions using data and analytics. BetQL's algorithms analyze over 350,000 unique bets every year in real time to help give you an edge over the books. BetQL tells you which side professional bettors are picking, provides real-time live movement and historical betting results. Get started today at BetQL.com, also available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tarker with you, BetSweats, uh, the BetQL Audio Network. Also on the BetQL Audio Network is Ryan McDonough Show, at McDNBA's former NBA executive, turn host, Radio.com NBA show. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Ryan, the last time uh, we had you on the show, we were talking about the Nets, what's going on with Kyrie, didn't, didn't know how to feel about them. Their whole world has completely changed, and where they sit in the betting market has flipped as well. They are the second favorite to win the title, the runaway favorite in the East over at points bet uh, to win the East are almost even money plus 110. And the bucks are moved down to plus 350. Do you think the market's right that they should be the, the runaway favorite in the East and the second favorite to win the title? Well, first of all, Joe and Ross, good morning. It's always great to be on with you guys. And this is your show, not mine. But I wish I had the ability to rewind about a month ago when I was on <laughs> in the preseason. And you guys asked me who I thought was going to win the conference championships and who would play for the NBA Finals. And I said the LA Lakers in the West and the Brooklyn Nets in the East. Uh, LA is rolling along. Last night's collapse against Golden State, notwithstanding. Uh, but Brooklyn, you know, it's been a rocky season so far. They made the big move. Uh, yeah, so I think Brooklyn's a heavy favorite. It should be a heavy favorite to win the Eastern Conference. They have more offensive firepower than any team in recent NBA history. In fact, you could argue they have as much with their top three guys, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, as any team in NBA history. They have three guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot at a high level. Uh, They did thin out their depth. They'll have to add some to the back end of the roster. Um, But I haven't seen anything from Brooklyn in James Harden's first two games in a Nets uniform that would lead me to believe anything different than what I thought in the preseason. The Brooklyn Nets are the best team in the Eastern Conference and should be a heavy favorite to get to the NBA Finals. All right, so you thought they were the the favorites, and then they got James Harden. That is unbelievable. Um, How do you picture – I know it's only been a couple games. How do you picture Harden and Kyrie Irving working together, Ryan? Yeah, I think offensively it's a good problem to have, Ross. Offensively, the questions are, you know, will they do the dirty work? Will they set screens? Will they make sacrificial cuts? Will they move without the ball? Um, with the ball in their hands, those three guys, Durant, who was my preseason pick for MVP, uh, Kyrie Irving, who you know played an MVP level when he actually felt like playing basketball uh, the first eight or so games of the season before he disappeared, uh, and then James Harden, who has been the MVP, has been the best scorer in the league over the last five years for sure, and one of the most efficient scorers in NBA history. Offensively, it'll be fine. It, 
huge advantage Steve Nash has the first time head coach of the Brooklyn Nets guys is that he can have two of those guys on the court basically at all times. So whether there are injuries, whether there's foul trouble, whether he just wants to rest uh, somebody, uh, load management, especially KD coming back from a torn Achilles, he has the ability to do all that. So offensively, he'll be fine. I mean, the, the, the challenge is you know how to keep everybody happy more than how to be efficient, how to win ball games uh, defensively, and especially on the backboards. Jared Allen was their best rebounder. He went out in the deal. He was also the best rim protector. So I think Brooklyn's path to win the Eastern Conference and potentially win a championship is to be far and away the best offensive team in the league. I think they have the ability and the potential to do that. And then defensively, just be good enough. They don't need to be a top five defensive team. I don't think that's realistic. But if they can be in the top half of the league, in the top 15 defensively, and far and away the number one offensive team, I think that's their path to get to the NBA Finals. Hey, Ryan, I actually wanted to ask you about Steve Nash. Um, so uh, I'm glad you mentioned him there. The job he has now, do you look at it as a former executive and say, okay, he's got an easy job or it's a very tough job? Like The hardest thing is getting all that talent on one roster. He has it, but now how is it going to work? Is he going to be able to manage all of those egos for an entire season? And here's all the pressure. You must win now in our short window with, with all these guys. Yeah, I disagree with everybody who says, oh, it's a difficult job. Well, Ryan Saunders in Minnesota has a difficult job. Uh, Dwayne Casey in Detroit has a difficult job because those teams aren't very good. They just don't have a lot of talent. They don't have many ways to win. Almost everything has to go perfectly for them to win any game. Uh, Contrast that with Steve Nash. Steve Nash has a huge advantage. Yes, there is short-term pressure. As you guys know, that comes with the territory when you're a head coach or a GM or a player uh, in pro sports. That's part of the deal. It's magnified and amplified in, in the New York market. As you mentioned, especially with that team and the money Josiah, their new owner, spent. Um, but guys, th- this is a dream for, for a first-time head coach. I, I know there'll be some headaches. Uh, I get it. You know, dealing with James Harden and Kyrie Irving in particular, and all that comes along with those two individuals. Um, but as a coach or an executive, I'd always rather have the talent and figure out how to manage the talent uh, because you have a lot more margin for error than if you don't have the talent and you have to try to scrap together and find ways to win. Uh, that's why I think Steve Nash is in a great spot. He's got his work cut out for him, but he has the most talented team in the league at least on the offensive end of the floor. Ryan, I got to ask you this because I've told you before, I'm from outside of Philly. I'm a Sixers fan. And by the way, based on how Harden kind of got his way out of Houston, I was okay that they didn't trade for him. But there are reports out there that the Sixers might have had the better offer and that ownership for Houston did not want to trade Harden to Daryl Morey. Do you think there's any credence to that? Do you think that Things like that happen from time to time. Yeah, I do think there's credence to it, Ross. It was reported by some of the NBA's top reporters, Zach Lowe from ESPN and Shams Charania from The Athletic, and those guys are rarely wrong, as you guys know. So I think there is some... Uh, credence to it. And, and Ross, to your point, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen owners get emotional and you know force a deal a certain way or not allow somebody to do a deal. It's happened. I, I've been involved in situations where uh, you know I've been part of the front office that it's happened too. So it, it's really frustrating, obviously, as an executive. You have to be objective. Um, guys, in pro sports, there, there are only so many teams. So to look at it from a business sense, 
you do business with the same people over and over and over again. So you can't get emotional, even if you're frustrated, even if Tillman Fertitta is seemingly unhappy about the way Daryl Morey departed the organization. For those who don't know, Morey resigned uh, prior to the season starting, uh, said you know a lot of it was for personal and family reasons. He was going to spend some time with his kids. Well, about two weeks later, he's the president of basketball operations on a loaded Philadelphia 76ers team <laughs> with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And so Tillman Fertitta was hurt by that. At the same time, Ross, that should not impact the next decision. I thought the best package for the Rockets would have been one centered around Ben Simmons. He's young. He's talented. Yes, he has a significant hole in his game with lack of shooting, but he's under contract for five years at 24 years old. He's already an elite defender. He's an elite rebounder. Uh, he's an elite playmaker. Uh, so if he can get his shooting to a passable level, you're talking about a potential MVP candidate. So I think for Houston to take that tact or eventually accept the package from Brooklyn. I mean, look at it this way, guys. As former executive, I look at Brooklyn's package as this. If Victor Oladipo walks out the door, which he's a free agent, is going to be unrestricted, and so Houston has no matching rights here in a few months. If he walks out the door, basically all Houston got was a handful of late first-round picks and pick swaps. That's not good enough for James Harden, uh, which is why I, I seriously question the decision-making and the process that Houston undertook. And I, I feel bad for Raphael Stone if what's been reported is true, that their GM, Stone, was uh, you know, forced a certain way or not allowed to do what was best for the franchise because of Fertitta's feelings toward Maury. Uh, Ryan, it feels like every day uh, you have another postponement. They're adding up. I was counting them yesterday. I I think it was at the numbers at 15 on Monday. It was Cleveland, Washington. They did not play. How is this going to be handled with all these postponements? And when do you think we'll find out about the second half schedule? Yeah, Joe, they said they're going to hold the second half schedule until closer to the time they have to release it. Um, for those who don't know, the NBA is scheduled out. I think it's through late February, early March, uh, sometime in that window. They left, I, I believe it's six days open in March for makeup games. And uh, it looks like, guys, we know a few of the teams will have a lot of games starting in Washington with the Wizards. The Wizards are now looking at a historically long layoff um, due to COVID testing and contact tracing and the protocols. The Wizards will be off for at least a week and a half, uh, maybe longer than that. And that's not just games, guys. I think it's important for your viewers and listeners to keep that in mind. Um, the, the Wizards have been very limited. They've had days where they couldn't have anybody in the facility. They've also had days with, you know, one-on-zero workouts, maybe with a coach. Uh, so it's very difficult as most teams are playing a game just about every other day at this point to take a week and a half or more off and then just come back midstream with a bunch of teams who are in condition and haven't missed a beat. Uh, so that's going to potentially disadvantage teams like Washington, Phoenix, Boston had multiple postponements. Uh, so I, I think what you'll see, guys, is a couple things. First, I think the league is going to release that makeup window schedule in March, those six days in March. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wizards have three or four games in that window. Uh, again, Boston and Phoenix may have multiple games there as well. That would be my expectation. And then the second half of the schedule uh, for those three teams, the others who have had multiple games postponed, they're going to have more games in a condensed period of time than anybody else. So it's certainly not ideal, but it uh, doesn't seem like anything is in 2021 with, with COVID and with the way the virus is spiraling seemingly out of control around the country. Ryan, let's talk Warriors. They were plus 310 to beat the Lakers last night. They're 60 to 1 right now. Title odds. What are you making of Golden State moving forward? Yeah, I wouldn't touch him, Ross, as far as the title odds, even with those long odds. Just too much has to go right for them to win, especially in the Western Conference. 
if they make the playoffs, which certainly isn't a given and a guarantee. Keep in mind, this year in the NBA, you have to be in the top six to guarantee your playoff spot at the end of the regular season. Uh, Teams 7 through 10 have to play their way in. Uh, So that's where I would anticipate Golden State to be, guys. In that 7 to 10 range, I would personally be surprised if they can sustain this level and stay in the top six. They had a tremendous win against the Lakers last night. After that disastrous 0-2 start, they played a lot better. Um, But look, Steph Curry has to do so much for them to win. Uh, You know, Draymond Green at times has been a reluctant shooter. Kelly Oubre's really struggled with the shooting, although he started to play a little bit better lately. Um, so I'm not high on Golden State. I would not you know, touch that. I, I understand the odds are tantalizing and stuff is great, uh, but I just think for them without, you know, obviously Kevin Durant left a couple years ago, but without Klay Thompson, what they would have to do to potentially to win a championship, winning three rounds in a row against good Western Conference opponents and then beating you know, Brooklyn or Milwaukee or somebody comes out of the East, I just don't think they're capable of doing that without Klay Thompson, who, uh, you know, as, as the team has said, is likely to be out for the entire season. It's funny, Ryan, even with such a small sample size, as you mentioned, look in the West, what do you see one, two, you see Lakers Clippers over in the East, you got Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. I think most people expected all those teams to be in the top four. And we know Brooklyn's going to be there in the end. Uh, But once we get a larger sample size, are there any other teams that, that are in the playoff picture that you expect to drop off or some that are not in the playoff picture, they'll get it figured out and they will be up there. Maybe it's a top five seed. Yeah, just checking the the title futures before I came on with you guys this morning. One team I, li- I like a lot from a betting perspective is the Utah Jazz. Uh, I think they're plus 2,500. Uh, that's 10th, I believe, in the league, in a 30-team league as far as title futures. Uh, I think they're a very good team. I mean, they, they got off to kind of a rocky start. Uh, they had a bad trip to New York where they lost to Brooklyn when Brooklyn was struggling in the Knicks. Since then, guys, they've won five in a row. They beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee, which is never easy to do. Um, it looks like the, the chemistry is coming between Mike Conley, who struggled last year, his first year in a Jazz uniform, and Rudy Gobert. You see those guys connecting a lot more on lobs or plays going to the rim. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is still young. He's an emerging star in the league. Uh, Joe Ingles, you know, is a talented, versatile player. Gives him some playmaking when Conley or Mitchell are off the court. So I think a lot of people, myself included, expect to see this ver- expected to see this version of the Utah Jazz a year ago. They didn't quite put it together last year, despite the fact they still had a good year. They also have their shooter, Boyan Bogdanovich, back healthy. Uh, so as I look at the title odds in a 30-team league, I don't think there are nine teams better than the Utah Jazz. And uh, if, if their you know, odds are around plus 2,500 right now, I, I like them as a title bet uh, a lot more than I'd like you know, a Golden State or uh, you know, some of the, even some of the other teams who are, ha- have lower odds or better odds, uh, so to speak, than the Utah Jazz. What about the uh, MVP betting market, Ryan? Uh, I know a lot of people, especially talking NBA, like to look at the MVP odds. Right now, I'm seeing Luka Doncic plus 400, Giannis plus 450, Durant plus 800, uh, Jokic plus 800. Any of those jump out to you, or do you like some of these other guys like Embiid or LeBron at plus 1,000? Well, again, Ross, I, I wish we could roll back the tape because preseason, <laughs> I said I like Kevin Durant, and he was plus 1,200 at that time. So if you took Kevin Durant at plus 1,200, uh, you're pretty happy about that right now. And, and you guys know how I feel about the Brooklyn Nets with their talent. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a good bet, uh, you know, even at plus 800. Uh, the one I like the best, guys, that really surprised me, if you look at uh, outliers as far as really good value for MVP odds, um, as you guys know, the MVP in the NBA usually comes from one of the top teams in the league, one of the best teams in each conference. Um, 
for some reason, I don't know why, uh, I saw this morning Paul George is at plus 8,000, which puts him not in the top 10 or 12 players. I understand a lot of people were critical of PG. He struggled last year in the Orlando bubble. Uh, Doc Rivers got fired. Uh, there was a lot of negative sentiment around Paul George this offseason. Guys, he's played very well this year. I mean, for me, if I were to list my MVP candidates uh, at this point, he'd be in the top five. So the fact that he's not in the top 10 or 12 at plus 8,000 odds with the Clippers in second in the Western Conference and the team starting to play a lot better, uh, I don't really understand that. I think that's an aberration. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to take a longer shot with, with some potential upside, I like Paul George's pick for the MVP uh, with those odds. Um, I got to ask you this, Ryan. I'm curious. I see these MVP odds. Out of the top four guys, Doncic, Jokic, uh, Giannis, you got three international guys, including you know how tall is how tall is uh, Luca and Jokic? Luca's about six seven. He's really thick. I think that's the thing that surprises people when you when you look at Luca. Not only his shoulders, but his chest. And so that's why when when you watch him play, he gets guys on his hip or his shoulder. He's able to hold them there. You know, and guys kind of bounce off him when he goes to the basket. He's stronger than he looks. Uh, James Harden's another guy, by the way. You know, in the fifteen plus years I was in front offices, that when you're up close to him, you say, "Holy cow, this dude is thick." And you know, you see guys bounce off him when he goes to the basket. He's great at drawing fouls. Uh, so Luca's about six seven, maybe six eight. Uh, Jokic is six eleven, seven foot. It uh, doesn't look like much. You know, when you see him with, with, with a shirt off, he's not going to win a, a best body contest. Uh, I shouldn't be critical because neither am I. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, can, he can really play. I mean, that mind, that feel for the game. He may be the best passer in the entire league right now. Um, so, you know, I, but, but, but the, you know, to counter that, Ross, I know what the odds say, uh, and it is still early, but look at the standings, guys, and look at the history of the MVP. There have been very few MVP winners uh, who haven't come from one of the top teams, especially in recent history. So, uh, you know, with Dallas and Denver at around five. Um, you know, I, I get that those guys are having outstanding years, and if their team plays better, they'll be candidates. But that's why, again, I, I like Paul George because he's been one of the best players on one of the best teams, and he has a chance to be the best player on a team that may win the Western Conference and fin finish with one of the best records in the league. Uh, so from a betting perspective, that's where I think the value is. All right, so my question, and this is my last one, Ryan, just to follow up to that is – why aren't there more white guys from the United States? Why aren't there more white Americans that are even close to as good as these guys? I just find, I just find it really interesting. Like, I know that it's a global sport and they, they play internationally, but everybody that's tall in the U.S. plays, I mean, plays basketball for the most part. I think it's interesting that you've got these guys that are like MVP candidates, and I don't know, I don't know who the best uh, white guy is from the United States in that regard. Well, there, there's some good American players. Uh, Kevin Love, Gordon Hayward have been all-stars. Uh, but, but to your point, I think there are a couple factors, Ross. Um, one is that internationally, uh, the top athletes usually play soccer first. Even some of the great uh, basketball players played soccer and then you know play basketball either secondarily or switch to basketball, especially when they grew. Uh, I, th I think that's part of it internationally. In, in the U.S., there's so many more options, as, as you know. Um, there's so many more different sports, so I think it gets more specified at a young age. And then the second thing, Ross, I, I think this is probably the more pertinent point to what you were talking about is the international teams, especially the European teams, practice so much. There's so much drilling. There's so much fundamental work. Um, you know, if, if they go a week, they may practice uh, eight times and play one or two games. And that's it. In the U.S., as you know, especially in, in basketball, uh, the AEU culture where 
guys play game, you know, they might play five games a weekend and practice once or practice zero times. So, so I think that's some of the advantages uh, where you see the international players from a young age developing the skill. Um, you know, w- will it correct at some point? I, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, fundamentally, a lot of players, whether it's, you know, black, white, whatever, coming into the NBA, a lot of the international players who have been taught and drilled more and practice more uh, than the American players come in ahead from a fundamental standpoint. And, and I think that gives guys like um, Luka and, and Jokic and others a chance to get off to a good start in their NBA career. Right. Well, one thing that's interesting with some of these awards is that with the short period of time, the numbers, the betting numbers tell you that some of these might be already over. Like That's crazy to me. I, w- I wanted to see if you agree with the market. So uh, rookie of the year, LaMelo, the runaway fairy, is like minus one, 175 to win 100. And for the most improved player, Christian Wood, and now he's the man. I mean, he's gonna, his numbers are going to even look even better moving forward. He's the heavy favorite. Do you agree that both of those guys should be big-time favorites? Well, once once again, uh, not to pat myself on the back here, but Lamelo Ball was my preseason pick for Rookie of the Year, um, and, and it just because I, I thought what has happened with Charlotte will happen. Now he's still mainly coming off the bench, um, Joe, but he has the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, the team is not great, but I think they're better than anticipated. They're around 500, and they have a chance to get into that seven to ten range in the East and get in the play-in scenario. Uh, so I think Lamelo will continue to play well and play at a high level. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton at, and for uh, Sacramento's also had a very good year, although I, I don't think their team's going to be in the top 10 in the Western Conference. So um, I, I don't think it's over. I mean, one of the risks at this point, as you guys know, is, um, you know, only about 10 to 13 games into a 72 game schedule. So a lot can happen between now and the end of the year, uh, including poor play, but including an injury, right? So if, if Lamelo's out for a month or, you know, knock on wood, I hope obviously that doesn't happen. But if one of these guys gets injured, that could really skew the odds. So yeah, I picked him before the season. Uh, I still think he's going to win it today. Um, but would I put money on him today as a heavy favorite? Because, uh, you know, he's off to a good start and it looks like he's going to win it. No, I, I wouldn't take that bet um, because, you know, again, with COVID and with just the injury risk of playing NBA basketball, especially for a 19-year-old rookie, uh, I, I don't like those odds. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for a longer shot, I, I'd look at the odds for Halliburton or, or Wiseman. I think those are the top three guys. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you do want to bet on it, uh, maybe make a bet on Wiseman helping the Warriors get into the top six in the Western Conference or Halliburton uh, helping, you know, turn the King season around and, and hope, hopefully they can sneak into the playoffs in the West, which would help his cause. Uh, we had a number of games for MLK Day per usual. Only two games tonight. Oklahoma City, Denver. Uh, the Nuggets favored by nine and a half. A total of 220. And then we've got New Orleans, Utah. Jazz favored by six. Total of 217 and a half, 218, somewhere in that area. Uh, do you have a, an opinion on either one of these contests? Yeah, I like Utah. And as you guys know, I like Utah, the team, uh, with the way they've been playing. They've won five games in a row. Uh, they're they're nine and four right now. That's third in the Western Conference. That's a very difficult place to play. Uh, they are one of the few teams in the league that allows fans into their home arena. Now it's not a significant amount of fans, but they do have some fans, so uh, some kind of slight home court advantage with the fan support, but also with the altitude, second highest arena in the NBA, other than Denver. And New Orleans has been on a long road trip. They're a little bit banged up right now. I watched their game uh, against Sacramento the other night. They won the game. Zion Williamson was terrific in that game. He was 13 for 15 from the floor, uh, but they're banged up again. Eric Bledsoe, the point guard, has been playing through some injuries. Uh, Lonzo Ball did not play the other night. So I like Utah. Um, that, that's one of the toughest things, guys, when you're with a team as an executive, a coach, especially as a player, when you're on a long road trip playing a bunch of good teams in the Western Conference and one of those last games is at altitude. You've been on the road for a week or so. Uh, you, you know, maybe have heavy legs. The guys are a little bit tired. Uh, it's easy to let go of the rope in Utah, which is why I like the Jazz minus six tonight. 
All right. And while you were talking about Bogdanovich as their shooter earlier, I, I was already thinking about over two and a half threes made tonight for Bogdanovich. Okay, so I might I might jump in on that one. Uh, t- tell us about the latest NBA show that people can download. I know a new episode went up on Monday. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Uh, on Radio.com's NBA show yesterday, I had, had on my friend Sean Grandy. Sean is the Celtics radio voice. He's broadcast Celtics games for last 20 years during the Celtics' great run, uh, the championship win in, in 2008. We talked about that call. That's a funny story about the final call uh, when the Celtics blew out the Lakers in game six of 2008. Um, then we talked about the current Celtics team, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, but Sean knows the, the entire league. He, he's, he's one of the best in the business. Uh, so we talked about the James Harden trade, how it impacts Brooklyn. Philly passing on that deal or not getting involved in the deal, Houston, all that. Uh, so it's Radio.com's NBA show with me and Sean Grandy. Uh, check it out. It just posted yesterday, and we'll have another great guest on. Uh, that, that episode will probably post uh, Thursday afternoon, so that, that one will come out later this week. All right, perfect. A uh, couple episodes. They're terrific every single week. Radio.com NBA show. Make sure you are subscribed. Ryan McDonough at McDNBA. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys.